Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. and Happy New Year. I'm Marty, and this is my wife, Stacy, and it is so nice to see everyone here. And I, I can't assume, maybe I can assume that you all were the New York revelers. <laughs> and all the online people, welcome to you as well. And maybe you're not the New York welcomers or the revelers. So anyways, I know someone over here said, no, we stayed up till midnight. So Good for right. you and still made it. Midnight? How many people stayed up till midnight? <laughs> How many people did the New York time? And Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome. I cannot think of a better way to start the new year. I think maybe every, we need to make, fix the calendar so that we start this new year here at church every year. Because it is an amazing way to start the year. So if you are new and here, um, we do still have the connection tables set up. And if you have kind of made it um, one of your goals, whether you're online or here, to get more involved at church, there's lots of great ways. And you can come to the connection counter. Next week is also pass, uh, pizza with the pastor. And that has been one of the things that I've loved last year is getting to know some new families and some new people at that. So that will be next week. So if you're thinking, oh yeah, I want to get more involved. I want to find out what's going on. Come back to connection. Um, we also have a little gift for anybody that's new. All right. So speaking of connecting, as we stand and get ready for worship, Turn to someone and share what you did last night to welcome in the new year. <laughs> Happy <All right>. New Year. <laughs> Altar of my life, of Christ being magnified. 
You know, last night, and I'll talk a little bit about our traditions in celebrating New Year when I was growing up and my message, but I was reminded that, you know, last night we, we yell Happy New Year. I don't know how many of you do this, but, you know, a lot of people will be like, Happy New Year! And then you look for, you know, a loved one, and you exchange hugs and kisses and all that kind of stuff, and it can be this joyous time, but it's a little bit like... Um, a dual thing like for some of us we're yelling happy new year because we're so excited uh, for what is to come for some of us we're yelling happy new year because we're so excited to leave behind the year we just had right and, and depending on where you're at that might be where you're where you find yourself and when we gather into worship I think sometimes it's the same thing sometimes we gather into worship and we cry out in worship because we're so joyful for what God is doing in our life. And we're so overwhelmed and thankful for what God is doing. And so we worship and we shout and we cry out to God and we sing these songs of praise and worship because of the joy that is welling up inside of us. And sometimes, sometimes we're standing at the face of everything that we're experiencing and all of the heartache and all of the frustration and we are defiantly worshiping because we know what is true. And we don't allow ourselves to be sucked into the abyss of our, our broken world and the things that we're experiencing. And I was reminded over the last couple of weeks how often, how often that things come in waves. Sometimes I feel like good things come in waves. You're like, hey, man, I, I've hit a hot streak. Like things are, things are going well. And sometimes I also find that it comes in waves where you're like, man, everything seems to be going and just in my connections that I have over the last two weeks, the number of people who have lost somebody, the number of people who have received a bad diagnosis, a number of people who are struggling relationally in some relationship, whether it's with a child or a spouse, it just seems like there's this wave of like, man, it feels like, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And in those moments, we have the opportunity to stand there and worship and praise God and say, God, I, I don't fully understand what's happening now, but I know the future. I was reminded that, that when we think about the future, it's not as if God's saying, hey, come on into the future and, and let's go see what's going to happen. No, God has gone before you. He knows what you're going through. He knew what you were going to go through, and he has gone before you preparing the way, and he is there already in the future. Amen? And so I want to remind you of what it says in Revelation uh, chapter 20. Sorry, Revelation chapter 21. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the, and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer a sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God, God is with men, and he, will be, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old, for the old order, the way things used to be. The brokenness of this world will have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
And then he said this, and this is what I want you to hang on to. Hear, hear this word to you this morning. Write this down, for these words are true. So whatever you're going through this season, while it feels like it's coming in waves, guess what? God has already seen it. He's already gone ahead of you. He is already doing things to lay the ground, to order your steps. The question is, are you going to trust him? Are you going to stand there and defiantly worship in the midst of a broken world? Are you going to defiantly worship and say, you know what? I, I can trust in the Lord no matter what is going on because his words are true. Amen? So as we sing this song... You might want to sing it because you're welling up with joy. Awesome. We are. We praise the Lord for that. But you might want to sing this song as a defiant act of worship that says, man, things are challenging right now, but I choose to trust in the Lord because his words are true. Will you join us as we worship? So let 
ticket show me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord come on my soul don't you get shy me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of Sometimes that's all we have, and it's enough because we bring these little offerings to you, and you make beauty from the ashes. And so, Jesus, whatever we're dealing with, whether it's joy or sorrow, we, we say that you are good despite our circumstances. And so we praise you, and we ring in this new year with a hope for the future that influences how we live in the present. And so may we live as a people empowered by your spirit. Thank you for going ahead of us, preparing a way. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and you will wipe every tear from our eyes. And until then, Jesus, we, we say that you're good and we put our trust in you. So be with us this morning as we continue to worship you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, I don't know about you, but I am just so grateful that God is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. What a, what a firm foundation that we get to stand on. So I'd like to invite our ushers forward to receive our offering today. As this is your first time here, um, we hope you don't feel obligated, but it truly is an act of worship for us. Um, and if you've never um, participated in this form of worship of, of giving God of your finances, um, you know, the new year is a great place to start. Just start somewhere to try Trust God in an area in a, of our life that usually tells us to hold on tightly. So this is just a, an act to just say, God, you have the first place in my heart. Everything I have is from you. And I just challenge you, maybe just start somewhere this year. Ask God um, how you might live with your hands more open um, and less clenched fist this year in this new year, because it truly is just a way to just live lightly is just the way that God has asked us to live. 
And if you are somewhat new to New Life or you're looking to get more involved, you have come at the perfect time because no matter whether we like it or not, um, the new year always comes with this kind of reset button. And so a lot of our ministries have reset and there are some new, great new things that are starting. So in this month, there are just so many great ways to get involved, to meet other people. All of our women's ministries from our Time Together Bible Studies to our Moms and Mentors to Propel, all of them are starting back up again in January, and we actually have a brand new men's Bible study that we are really excited. It's going to be taught by Travis and some of our other pastors here, and it's going to be on Thursday nights at the same time as the women's Bible study is, so you can come to church and go your separate ways and each get to meet with other men or women and connect with each other. Um, We would love for you to be involved in that. Pastor Dave is starting a new class this week as well. Last Wednesday is coming back, so we would just love for you just to take a look at your bulletin and see all of the ways that you can get involved here at New Life because there are so many ways. Don't go through a whole nother year of just going through the motions. Like jump in, get involved, meet some people. We would love to have you be a part of our family here. And I know the last couple of weeks um, with Christmas and the holidays have been kind of, you know, there's no schedule. Who knows what day it is? I'm surprised you all even showed up today and thinking it was Sunday. But um, next week we will be back to our normal rhythm of 9 and 11. We're starting a brand new series this coming Sunday. We hope that you join us. And take a moment, Pastor David, take it away. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, you know, it's so good uh, to gather together. And, and one of the things that I was reminded of this week is how quickly um, we put away Christmas, right? How quickly we do. Now, maybe not my family. Um, my mother-in-law is in town, and I'm thankful for that because she usually puts away our tree. And, uh, and, and I'm so thankful for that. And we just wait. We just wait. We just wait till she's here, and then somehow, miraculously, it ends up back where it's supposed to go. But, but as, as somebody who, you know, if you, if you kind of pay attention to the, the Enneagram or things like that, as an Enneagram 3, uh, I'm, achi- I'm an achiever, and uh, when we've achieved where we're where we uh, wanted to go, then it's time to move on to the next thing. And many of us have this tendency to, to move on quickly. We, we celebrate Christmas, and it was awesome. And some of you celebrated starting in like, you know, October. But, but eventually you celebrate Christmas, and then it's like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. What's interesting is that historically the church lingered in that Christmas season for a while. Uh, for some traditions, 12 days. For some traditions, 20 days. But they would linger in that Christmas season, and they would remind themselves of the coming king and they would allow themselves to kind of soak in this idea that God had come near and that things were going to be radically different because of that and eventually they'd come to the days usually again in, in, in kind of the strongest of the traditions that 12 days past Christmas that season of Christmas would end with the Sunday of Epiphany and the Sunday of, of Epiphany uh, or, or, or the day of Epiphany so you have January 6th 12 days afterwards you would, you would uh, remember the coming of the Magi and, and then you would begin to move on and, and, and it throughout the rest of the calendar year and so again our tendency I think is to not linger a little bit and and we all have various traditions that maybe move us on quickly Uh, new year's is one of those new year's it's like hey as soon as christmas is done we're getting ready for new year's in fact as a kid i almost like new year's more than i did 
Christmas. I know that sounds crazy, but my mom and dad, they had these really close friends um, who were also my uh, godparents, and, and so they, uh, we would spend every single New Year's with them, and there was the one time we got to get together with their kids, and we made it fun. Uh, my parents, they weren't quite hippies, but you know, they were kind of like my dad at least, maybe on the verge, and so we would have fondue, a shared meal every single, every single New, New Year's, and we would celebrate that way. Um, we're Eastern Europeans, so we'd have sauerkraut. I don't know why. It's really not that good. But any other Eastern Europeans, uh, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about because you wanted to have good luck in the new year, and so you would have sauerkraut for some reason. I don't know. Um, but we would also, we would do the countdown. I can't remember. I mean, like, like, uh, like we would watch Dick Clark's countdown every single year, and, and eventually, man, I just felt bad for the guy. I felt like they were putting him out there. I was like, man, let him retire. It's okay. But, but, Here's what we're going to do this morning. Can you do a countdown with me? Because I went to bed early last night. And I didn't get to, and, and, and when it would strike, when that ball would drop and the new year would come, we actually, my parents would give us pots and pans. I know we're weird, right? And we would go out into the snow, because in the Midwest we would have that, and we would bang on the pots and pans, and we got kazoos. Come on, there's nothing like celebrating the new year without kazoos, Right? And so I didn't get to, I didn't get to celebrate this in, in, in like my normal way uh, last night. So can we do a countdown? And then at, just at the end, we're just going to say, we're going to say Happy New Year as loud as we can, right? All right? Yeah. You can do that. Kid, kids, I need your help. I know you're working on those packets that we gave you. That's all right. But I need your help. You got to be really loud, all right? Ready? Here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, Two, one. Happy New Year. Hey, good effect, good effect, good effect. Woo. I like that, I like that. And so we would celebrate, and then it's like on to the next thing. And then something else happens, and then on to the next thing. But what's interesting is, throughout Scripture, God reminds us that it's important to linger, to slow down, to take inventory, to ask ourselves, where am I now? before moving on to the next thing. And what's fascinating is, when we get to the story that's traditionally linked with Epiphany, the story of the Magi, it's actually an opportunity to do that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Matthew. Matthew is in the New Testament, or the second half of the Bible. It's the very first book in the New Testament. And so you're gonna get to it. It's the Gospel of Matthew. And the other thing I want you to do this morning is you're going to want to grab one of those note cards or your phone because you're going, this is going to be interactive. You're going to respond to some things. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some questions to write down, some things that you can either respond to right now or obviously I'd encourage you over the next couple of days to respond to them on your own, to get alone with the Lord and to respond to him. And I want to frame this out this, this way. As we read through this story, I want you to ask yourself this question, because this is the slowing down. Where are you in God's story? Where are you? In, see, a lot of us are going to think about, hey, how do I set a, you know, a physical or a workout goal or a nutrition goal or a business goal or a relationship goal? And, and those are all really, really good things. But those are only really, really good things if they're seen through the lens of where I am in God's story. And so you can't move on to kind of these goal-setting things that you sometimes think about without asking this simple question. Where are you in God's story? Not where were you. 
you. See, some of us like to say, hey, yep, check, I'm good with that because I, I you know, when I was young, I received the Lord as, uh, as Savior and, and asked forgiveness of my sins. And so we're like, check, I'm good in God's story. No, no, no. Like right now, where are you at in God's story? Where are you in God's story? Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 through 12, begins an opportunity for us to kind of take inventory of that. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands, some translations may say magi, we'll talk about that here in a moment. Some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So the very first people that we encounter, or the person we encounter, is the wise men. Now, kids, yes, if you're working on your packets, um, that's totally fine. But if you want to, I'm going to give you some insider knowledge, all right? Insider knowledge that you can always correct people on, that you can, that you can remind your parents of next year as you're bringing out the nativity scene. Um, guess what? At the nativity scene, the wise men weren't there, all right, the wise men weren't there. I know, I know. Some of you are like, oh man, how do I add? What do we, like, like, so, so what you might want to do is next year, you, you, maybe you hide the wise men or you just pretend that they're not there. You just ignore them. Like put them in the corner uh, because they weren't there when Jesus was born. They came later. The second thing that's going to blow your mind is there wasn't three of them, or at least we don't know if there was three of them. We get this from tradition around the third century. Uh, we, we begin this tradition of there being three wise men or three kings. We don't know that they were kings. In fact, some people believe that there might have been hundreds of people from the east that brought these gifts and, and made this journey along this way in order to uh, encounter the, the Christ child. Uh, some people were, were, were believed that there was maybe one or two or three. The reason we say three is because there were three Oh, there you go. You're tracking with me. But that's the only reason. There's nothing in the biblical narrative that says, hey, there, there were these three individuals that were coming. I know. I'm just shattering your Sunday school right now. I apologize. But the wise men came, or the magi came from the east. The other thing is we try to clean it up. We try to be like, these are wise men because we feel really comfortable with that. These were magician astrologers, all right? These were pagan people. These were not like some uh, individuals that were like kind of, you know, religious or Jewish or whatever. No, no, no. These were individuals who were looking at the stars and looking to other gods and hearing other stories of other gods. And the reason that they were aware of what was going on in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish oral tradition, is because the Jews had been dispersed throughout the land. And so there were likely some Jews that were living in their particular area who were passing down the stories of the Old Testament and the prophecies of the Old Testament. And these individuals had overheard those. And so they were aware of this tradition that said that there was one God and that there was this coming Messiah. We'll get to that word in a moment. But they were aware that as they're watching the stars, they see something unique happen in the heavens that they identify with the Jewish story. And they think, hey, if there is a Messiah, if there is a king being born, then the only logical place for that king to be born was Jerusalem. 
There was a lot of them just getting curious about what they were seeing. There was a lot of them that were trying to figure out what was going on. And I find this interesting because when I talk to people, maybe your story is like this. I know my story is like this. When I talk to people, so many people come to the Lord through really weird ways. Think about it for a moment. I mean, I, I, won't, I won't ask you to take a poll because, you know, you might not be with the person right now who you came to youth group for. Um, but a lot of you came to youth group because of a girl or a boy, right? A lot of you, a lot of you are at church today because you're looking for a girl or a boy, right? Like, like, like you, were, you were coming and, and you had ulterior motives. Some of us, I remember in, in college, we went, we went to chapel three times a week. So we were like, we don't need to go to church on Sunday. But, but I know pastors shouldn't say that, but, but, but we went to church on Sunday because we got free food when we went. We weren't going for the right reasons. And what I find so interesting is that God sometimes draws us to himself in ways that were, are completely unexpected. I like to say this sometimes. God hijacks our plans. In fact, I know, I know Pastor Philip over here. I know some of his story. And, and he did not join up with, with YWAM, the mission organization, because of righteous motives. Uh, he, he went there with his own motives. And God hijacked his plans. And aren't we thankful that he did? And so many of us, we went with a particular reason. We, went, we, we, we started trying to get curious about God for a particular reason. And God hijacked our plans. So some of us are going to start the new year with this idea that I'm going to go to church more often. And you're thinking, I'm going to go to church more often because I want to have a better marriage or I want to have more success in my business or I want to have any number of things. And the reality is, is I, I believe that, that those are ulterior motives and God's going to hijack your plan and he's going to give you a better reason to gather with the people of God. He's going to give you a better reason to worship him. He's going to give you a better reason to come and see him. So when I read this portion of the story with, with the Magi, there's a couple of questions that I ask myself, a couple of questions you might want to ask yourself. The first one is this, where am I? Where am I? See, determining our current location helps us to become self-aware. And some of us want to move on to where we want to go without determining where we are right now, and it gets us all messed up. And we have to, uh, find, we have to take time to linger long enough to say, where am I right now? And some of us, we need to get really honest and say, hey, right now, I'm just curious about God. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. You know, I've just committed to start coming, and, and, and I'm not quite sure where this is all going to lead, but I am curious about God. Some of us need to get, get real and say, you know what? I am being very religious. Like, I'm not really following Jesus, but I'm very religious. And we need to identify where we are and get honest about where we are because God will never, um, you will never deepen your relationship with God because you're going to be like, hey, I'm good. I'm good. Check. I'm good. For some of us, for some of us, we're, we're outside of God's plan right now. We just need to be honest. Like, I am running from him. I am outside of his plan. Can I tell you something? Just like the Magi, I believe that God is going to chase you down. I believe he is going to chase you down and invite you to come and worship him. Second question that we might want to ask ourselves is this. Where is God leading me? Where is God leading me? See, where am I now? 
Where is God leading me? See, this is a different question than how do I become healthy? It's a different question than how do I gain, how do I gain more in the stock market this year? How do, I, how do I save more money? How do I do it? How do I have a better marriage? Those aren't necessarily bad questions to ask, but they skip over the most important question, which is this. Where is God leading me? Because once you, once you ask that question and you begin to listen into the Holy Spirit of where God is leading you, all those other things have to align to that. If you start with those other things, then your whole life aligns to those. Where is God leading me? The second person that we see in this particular portion of the passage is King Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, King Jesus. Some of us have never, we've said the words King Jesus, but we've never treated him like King Jesus. We've treated him like a rabbi, a teacher, somebody with some good advice. We've treated him like somebody who like, hey, you know what? There's some nice devotional or quotes that Jesus has that I can put up on my mirror or put on my desk. And we've treated him like that, but we've never treated him. We've said the words and we've, we've celebrated Christmas where the newborn king is born, but we've never actually treated him like King Jesus. He is, he gives some nice advice. He gives some nice guidance. He's my co-pilot, as the bumper sticker says, but he is not king of my life. And what's the, the problem with that is, is that throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, Jesus's primary identity is as king. The whole reason they're excited that Jesus came is because a king was coming. And the whole reason that this world is being turned right side up, it's upside down right now, it's being turned right side up because the king has come. And when the king comes and there's a new regime change, things have to be done by the king's standard. So slowly things are changing. Slowly things are being done by the king's standard until one day all things will be made new. King Jesus has has come, have you declared him king in your life? Is he king to you? See, the, the Hebrew word Messiah is translated into the Greek word Christos, or where we get our word Christ in the New Testament. Both of those words mean Israel's final king. Think about this for a moment. We say the name Jesus, and there are, word, there are ideas that we associate with that name. And we even speak it, and we sing about it with these ideas connected, that Jesus is healer, that Jesus is forgiver, that Jesus is restorer, that Jesus is savior. All of those are true. But all of those flow from the concept that Jesus is king. Jesus cannot be your healer if he is not king of this world. He can't do anything about the evil and sin and suffering and pain of this world if he's not king. 
But because he is king, he can heal. Because he can, is king, he can forgive sins. Because he is king, he can restore this world. It is because he is king that he can make a radical impact in your life. And the reality is that for many of us, we have seen Jesus as a forgiver, and we've seen him as a healer, and we've seen him as somebody who's a good advice giver, but we have never made him king of our lives. And we're asking ourselves as we go into 2023, how can I deepen my relationship Relationship with God, I can tell you this, make him king. Make him king. Make him king of your life. See, we try to keep heaven and earth separate. We have our heavenly things and we have our earthly things. I have my secular things, I have my religious things. When Jesus is born, guess what happens? Heaven and earth begin crashing into one another, so there is no separation anymore between heaven and earth. The new king has arrived, and he has brought a new kingdom of heaven. Therefore, therefore, which king are you following? Are you still following the kings of this world? Or are you following King Jesus? Titles matter. Like if you go into somebody and you have a very serious diagnosis and they tell you, hey, I'm gonna be doing your brain surgery. We're gonna take out those tumors. By the way, I'm a life coach. Nothing wrong with being a life coach. I just don't want you to cut my head open if you're a life coach, right? Like think about that for a moment. Hey, you know what? We're, I've got some great financial advice for you, and I'm going to tell you how to work the, start, the stock market. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and by the way, by the way, I, I, I took algebra, pre-algebra in college. Do you want advice from me? Probably not. Titles matter. If you're going to cut my head open, I want to have doctor in front of your name and not an educational doctor. I want you to have practical experience where you've cut somebody else's head open first, <laughs> right? And, and, so, and so titles matter in all kinds of our lives, and yet when we come to the name Jesus, we forget that his title actually defines the name Jesus. King Jesus, turn to somebody and say, King Jesus, this, this, his title defines what we know and understand about who Jesus is. And so, as you think about this again, King Jesus, have you said it? Is Jesus king? Not just is Jesus king, because he is whether you believe he is or not. Is Jesus my king? Is he my king? Or is there somebody else? Somebody else that's ruling? Verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. The whole reason King Herod was disturbed was not because Jesus was a rabbi was not because Jesus was a great teacher, was not because Jesus was going to be a prophet. The whole reason that Herod was disturbed is because the king of the Jews had come. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah or the king supposed to be born? 
In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come out of you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. So the, the two new people that are introduced to us are a king and some priests. No, it's not a bad joke. Like, that's what it feels like, right? A king and some priests walk into a bar. No, 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 that's not what this is all about, all right? But there is a king and there are some priests. And the religious leaders, this is so fascinating to me, and it's a great way to ask ourselves some questions about where we are. The religious leaders are very knowledgeable about the Messiah. But it doesn't seem like they're looking for him. The, the religious leaders are very aware of where the Messiah is going to be born, but they're not actively waiting and looking for where he is going to be. And so there's this indifference that we find in the religious leaders, and I think that it's really easy for us as religious folks to become indifferent. To find ourselves being very knowledgeable about God and very knowledgeable about the sing songs we sing at church and very knowledgeable about the routines that we go through and very knowledgeable about the rhythms of religious people, but, but forget to look for the king and to encounter the king. And then you have Herod, whose kingdom is being threatened. See, Herod was put in place by the Romans to, in order to keep things kind of at a... At a at a um, non-controversial level with the Jews. And he had done some pretty incredible things. He'd built up some of the military around, and he'd re done really well at collecting taxes, and he actually had helped be a part of spearheading, rebuilding the temple, and all of these things. And so he was, in some ways, very well respected. I think we only go to this tyrant portion because of what happens later when he slaughters a whole bunch of people. But, but in the beginning, you could make the argument that, man, if you, if you had a good wage... And things were going all right for you in Jerusalem. If you had a job and you had a good wage and things were going kind of good and you could still go to the temple when we wanted to and things of that nature, then you were kind of good with how things were. You weren't looking for things to change. You had power and you had money and you had, and that's kind of how the religious elite were. They were like, hey, you know what? Hey, he might not be my first choice, but I'm kind of good with it. How often do we find ourselves there? Well, it's not the full life that God's called me to, but I'm kind of good with it. I'm not living fully alive in Jesus, but I'm like half full. We become indifferent. And there are even kings in our lives. And maybe you're the one. We don't like that, right? You've heard us talk about this before. We have like what we call Di uh, Disney princess mentality. Nobody ever wants to be the evil stepmom in the, in the movie, right? They never want to be the wicked witch in the movie. They always like, oh, I'm the princess or I'm the prince or I'm the hero. No, sometimes you're Herod. Sometimes you're Herod. And you will do anything to protect what you think is yours. I will do anything to protect what I think is mine. 
But when King Jesus comes on the scene, he says, there's only room for one king. There's only room for one. And so, when we look at this story, we have to ask ourselves, where am I indifferent? Like, where am I just good because things are good? Where, for, for those of you that are familiar with Scripture, where, where is Jesus calling me to step out of the boat and into deeper waters? And you're like, no, I'm really good. <laughs> I'm really good. I, 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 I'm not paying attention. What did you say, Jesus? I didn't hear that. I'm really good where I'm at. No, but if I do that, Jesus, you're going to turn everything upside down. If I do that, Jesus, then I've got to trust you more than I ever have before. Where are you indifferent? And the second one, maybe it's more challenging, where do I feel threatened? Where have I put so much of my hope and so much of my trust and so much of the, my energy and so much of my faith, so much of my worship? See, when something else is king other than Jesus, you have to be honest and you go back to that first question, where am I? I worship that. When your faith is in money, when your faith is in wealth, when your faith is in a job, when your faith is in, in, in whether or not your kids turn out to be amazing superstar athletes or great academics or any, when your faith is in all of those things, you have to go, oh, I worship that. That's what I'm bringing gifts to. That's what I'm laying down for. I worship that. And Jesus is saying, only I am worthy of your worship, which is what we see happening in the final verses. After this interview with the wise men, after this interview, the wise men went, um, went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and gave, him gifts, and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The final person that we encounter are worshipers. It says that they fell down prostrate. They, they were on their faces Again, I think that sometimes we come in here, we're like, I'm going to be reverent to God. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to give God his due honor and, you know, kind of, he's up there like he's God and I am not. And so I'm going to go to service and I'm going to give him a little bit of worship. No, no, that's not what happened here. They were on their faces, on the ground, before like a two-year-old. Think about that for a moment. I ain't getting on the ground for any two-year-old. Well, maybe to play, but not like to worship them. They'll probably bonk me in the head or something. They were on their faces. Why? Because if it actually you go back and you look where that word is used in other places in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 20, when Moses and Aaron are entering the tent, the glory of God is there. And what do they do? They get down on their faces. Because his glory is there. So when these, these Eastern magicians show up, they recognize because when you encounter God, when you encounter God, whether you believe in him or not, 
He will reveal himself to you and you got a choice to make. Then you got a choice to make. When you have a true encounter with God and he reveals himself to you. And so these magicians who were maybe just curious about this newborn king of the Jews, they walk in and something tells them, something is communicating that the glory of God is upon this child. The glory of God, they are in the midst of the glory. And so they do exactly what Moses and Aaron did. They lay down on their faces and they worship. Here's what's so fascinating to me. Most of us, most of us, this is not a shame, but most of us, when someone mentions the, the gifts that are brought by the Magi, what do we mention? Gold, frankincense or Frankenstein or something like that, right? And myrrh. We forget about the fourth and the most important which was them. And most of us don't go, oh, that's right. This whole story is about the fact that these Eastern people who had some kind of knowledge of God encounter God and recognize that Jesus is king and they bow down and they worship him. Yet if we go on to Paul, we're reminded to make our bodies. Whew. Surrender all of us as an act of worship, pleasing to the Lord. Where are you? Where are you? Are you entering into 2023 as a worshiper? I'm not talking about singing songs. I'm not talking about playing guitar. Are you entering into 2023 as a worshiper? Saying, God, I worship you. Are you laying down saying, God, you've got all of me? Because you're king. Because you're king. Where are you in God's story? Where are you in God's story? Don't move on to your goals and don't move on to all the things that you want to do in 2023 without asking yourself, where am I in God's story? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you, God. We have gathered so that our focus would be on you. We have gathered so that you can shape us. God, I pray that by the power, not because of my words, not because uh, we've just simply came here and heard a message, but only because of the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you begin to minister us? Would you minister to our hearts? Search our hearts, oh God. Search our hearts. We give you permission. You are king. Turn my life right side up. May my life align with your ways and your heart. So that when people look at me, they see a citizen of your kingdom. 
And the identifying characteristic of citizens of your kingdom is that we're worshipers of the king. Don't let me move too fast. Don't let me put away all the Christmas stuff just to move on to the next thing on my agenda. Let me linger with you so I can take, take an honest reflection of where I'm at so that I can see where you're leading me so that my life might look more like you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? You can always stop by if you want to know more how to get connected. Maybe your next step is joining one of those women's or men's small groups or, or Bible studies. Maybe it's getting into a Bible reading plan. Maybe there are so many ways that we would love to help you learn how to grow in making Jesus king of your life. So as you go today, may you go not to follow simply a teacher or someone who is an advice giver. May you go to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.